Amen. Romans 14 through 17. Amen. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. Now, you think the way we love to eat, we wouldn't understand that. That's just part of life. But the kingdom of God, everybody say the kingdom of God. It's not the physical things of this life. But it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for always being there for us, seeing us through every trial and every storm. God, you came to give us a great life. And, Lord, you have through the Holy Ghost and through your word. We pray, Lord, bless this service. Bless everyone here. Bless our classes that are going on across campus. Let every heart be filled and strengthened and encouraged. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. Can you know life is not always the grandest things? I mean, problems do happen, don't they? Life can get pretty rough at times. So when we hear these words, that it is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost, that's that's uh, appealing. If somebody messaged you and you'd had a pretty you know hard time, uh, tough jobs and just some bad breaks in life and things. And they said, look, we're going to invite you to move. And here's where we invite you to move to. It won't cost you anything other than what you're doing now, but uh, you get to move to this location and there's no crime. There's no jails. There's no need for hospital clinics. And everybody just, you know, really loves one another. And you'll be happy here. You'll have peace here. You'll have joy. And you can live your best life right here. The things you wish you'd always done, you can do it. How many of you like to move there? Hello. Now, I didn't get many hands raised because you know what I'm talking about. That's exactly what the Holy Ghost does. Living in the kingdom. Everybody say the kingdom. And if we're not living in the kingdom, then we're living in this world. And that's why if we had hope in this world only, we would be of all men most miserable. Aren't you thankful that we, our hope is not in this world? It's in the kingdom of God, and it's in an eternal home, praise God. And so we're going to talk about living right this morning. That's okay. Everybody say living right. Now, every day, if we were totally honest with ourselves, we'd have to admit we probably did something that we wish we hadn't have done. Whether it's copped an attitude, said something, thought something, saw something, whatever. But it's that daily consistency, I want to live right. I want to do what's right. Don't you feel that way? A lot of people want to live right, they just struggle to do it. But the Holy Ghost helps us tremendously and making better choices, living a better life, praise God. I know my life totally changed when I got the Holy Ghost. How many of you, your life totally changed when you got the Holy Ghost? Uh Why? Because it's Him living in us, helping us. The Bible says the things you once loved, you'll now hate. The things you once hated, you'll now love, because you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. 
then it's up to us from that point to keep growing in the Holy Ghost and full of the Holy Ghost that we can keep that active in our life. Every day, and this is not in my notes, I'm just sharing this with you. Every day we have to put on the new man. That's Bible. See, sometimes we may think, well, I got the Holy Ghost. It'll do it all for me. No, no, no. It needs us to cooperate with it. And every day we have to make up our mind, I'm going to put on the new man. I'm not going to put on that old man. And if we're all honest, there are some days we let that old man come right along with us. So we have to put on the new man every day because this new man lives a different life, has different desires, have different goals, and is a different person. Not because of us, but because of who lives in us. Isn't that encouraging? Oh, hallelujah. I don't know what I'd do without the Holy Ghost. You wouldn't want to know me without the Holy Ghost, I promise you. Praise God. Well, everybody say Leo. In verse 6 of Matthew 5, I know this is different from my normal Sunday mornings, but this is safer for my lungs and my feet. Uh, Matthew 5 and 6 says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I've heard this scripture preached throughout my life of being in the church. And it was primarily preached from if you desire the Holy Ghost, to live for God. That's not what it's saying. Now, with the Holy Ghost, we can live righteous. But with the Holy Ghost, you may not live righteous because that life is determined by what we do, what choices and decisions that we make. And what it's teaching us here is a wonderful principle because righteousness, if you want to just look at what is righteousness, You'd be surprised how many people don't even know what righteousness is. It's kind of like faith and unity. Okay, there's a group of things that could be considered a part of it. And I feel like righteousness, if I were to sum it up like this, is being right with God and with man. I don't think we can be right with God and not right with man. God always institutes that principle when he talks about forgiveness and love. Amen? And so for us to be right with God, we've got to be right with man. Now, does that mean that man has to be right with us? That's not our choice, and that's not our determination. We can't, you know, hopefully we can help that out, but we can only, we're only responsible for what we do. So we want to be right with man. And that makes us have to make things right at time to time. Amen? But if we want to be right with so I think righteousness is being right with God and man. And then righteousness is aligning our life. Everybody say, aligning my life with God's truth, with his love, and his principles or his ways. Okay? God is righteous, isn't he? And he's holy. And we got this huge problem. We're human. We're not God. We're not perfect. We're not going to have great days every week. Amen. We're going to get attitudes. We're going to get tempted. We're going to get weak. But watch this. 
even though we're not God, God is in us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I've got help, and you've got help. Every day through, everybody said the Holy Ghost. And so, if we hunger and thirst, now let's stop and look at those two words. If we hunger and thirst, that describes an intense desire. Now, when I'm hungry, I can go all day. Brother Miller can tell you, I can go to 2 or 3 o'clock and not eat a thing. But then I, the hungry button got pushed on. And I'm fixing to find me something to eat. And if I don't watch it, I'm going to eat for the rest of the day. <laughs> and that's not good for dieting. But when we hunger for something, that means you want it. In a, not just in a casual setting, oh, I'd like to have that. But I want this, so I'm willing to push for it, to search for it, to reach for it, to fight for it, to sacrifice for it, right? When you're thirsty, you want something that will quench that thirst. So these words are described, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. That says that person, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, I desperately, I want it bad. I want to live right with God. That's why Paul said, there's a war going inside me. There's a battle. Anybody familiar with that battle? The things I want to do, I don't end up doing. The things I don't want to do, I or whatever how that goes. I don't do the things I want to do, and I do the things I don't want to do. Now, was Paul saying he lost the battle every day? No, he didn't. Paul's a great man. Paul is saying, I got to acknowledge that battle's there. My flesh is going to want to do things that I don't need to do, and on and on. So we have to recognize that at the same time. But we've got to want it because we. I found this out a long time ago. You normally get what you want. You'll, you'll convince yourself, you'll work hard enough, and you'll determine ways, and you'll get what you want most of the time. So to get righteousness, God is saying if you'll hunger for it and you'll thirst for it, you'll get it. Right? That's kind of a blanket check. Why is God saying that? He can't assure Okay, we can say I'm hungry for it and thirsty for it. God said, I don't want your words. I want your action. Words come come easy. We can mean it when we say it, but it loses its strength when we walk out the door or whatever, walk away from our morning prayer. Amen? So God said, I want your actions that says I'm hungry and thirsty after righteousness, aligning myself with God's truth, with his a word with his love and his ways. And then we begin to reach for it. And God said, you're going to get it. Praise God. But guess what? you got to do it again tomorrow. We can't take vacations from it, even though we do sometimes. Hello? This all right? Everybody say, hunger and thirst after righteousness. Amen. Remember, God wants us to be righteous. Now, don't let that scare you. I know we got them real religious folks. And God warns us about self-righteous. Right? 
And so we adopted this theory or this feeling. Oh, I, I don't want to claim I'm righteous. Glory to God. Anybody ever felt like that? I don't want to claim that I'm righteous. I have felt like that at times because you don't want to come across like, well, I think I'm, I'm righteous. He's talking about self-righteousness. Self-righteous is righteous in self-ability, not in dependence on God. Okay? We should want to say, I'm righteous. I'm striving to be righteous every day. I want to live a righteous life. I do my best to live a righteous life. Isn't that what you want to be able to say? Yeah. That's not claiming to be anything you're not that is proclaiming what you strive to be. Hello, somebody. And that's a difference in declaring and proclaiming. We can't declare something we're not doing every day. But we can proclaim, I'm out to do this. This is my desire. And God's on our side. And guess what? Just so you know, you don't have to be perfect to be righteous. Hello? And sometimes we do a scorecard mentally. And so we messed up on number one and number seven. So out of a scale of one to ten, we ain't righteous. No, don't believe that. If you're striving and you're doing your best and you're striving, if you do make a mistake, repent of it and say, I'm not going to do that again. Or if you have a bad day, God, let me bring that under check. That's why morning prayer makes a whole lot of difference in how the day goes. Hello? I said morning prayer makes a whole lot of difference in the way the day goes. It sets the tone. We declare. We proclaim. We make up our mind. We're consciously aware of it. Well, praise God. And so, now, it doesn't stop there. Watch this. In Romans 6 and 13, I'll be conscious of the time. I don't know what time I got it, so I'll just be conscious of it. Romans 6 and 13. I hadn't preached in a while, folks. Neither yield ye your members as unrighteousness, as instruments, rather, of unrighteousness unto sin. But yield ye members or yourselves unto God as though that are alive from the dead and your members as what? Instruments of righteousness unto God. Now let's stop and break that down. Everybody know what instrument? I mean, what our members are? Eyes, ears, mouth, mind, heart, feet. Right? These are members, and these members don't do anything without us giving them permission to do that. Yield means give way to. Okay, so it's telling us don't give way to those temptations or those things that would allow our eyes. That's what gets us in trouble is our mouth. Come on. Our eyes, our ears, our mind, our heart, our thoughts, our feelings, and our feet is our steps. And our hands is what we get involved in. We put on. have clean hands. Hope I'm not boring you good folks. And so we have to choose. If I'm going to yield this, have you ever yielded a member and you wish you hadn't or you did it before you knew it? And you, oh, God. Well, guess what? We can't take it back. We can, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. You can shut it off, close the book, turn your head, put your mind on something else, change your conversations midstream. 
And there's where the Holy Ghost will check us if we'll listen to it. How many times have you started to do something, the Holy Ghost gave you a check? And you felt that prick in your heart, and you go, oh, how many times you go ahead and do it? Come on. We've all done that. But we learn, oh, I know what that's telling me. That's telling me, God said, you don't want to do that. You don't need to do that. And so, but then we, but it tells us to yield our members as instruments to righteousness unto God. So this is where we intentionally yield ourselves to prayer, to Bible study, to living a clean life, avoiding certain things, promoting the great things of a healthy Christian life, uh, staying away from the things that hinder our walk with God. This is yielding. Now, wonder, wonder why it uses the word instruments. Ever thought about that? I don't have deep theology for you today. But when I think about an instrument, it's going to be something that plays a tune, gives a sound, or gives evidence. Amen? And so it says when we yield our members, it's like yielding instruments. It's going to give an evidence of the choice we just made. It's going to give a certain sound. Amen? Now, you're going to notice it, but also people around us are going to notice it. And we want to be Christ-like. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord, everybody. Everybody say, I want to give my members as instruments unto righteousness unto God. That's a choice we make. And I know we all want to do it. And I know we all struggle from time to time. But we can have the victory. And if you're here today and you don't have the Holy Ghost, I promise you it's the best choice you'll ever make in your life. Why? Because it helps us. I said it helps us every day to live a better life, a godly life, a life that would please the Lord and be healthy for us. Everybody say, I want the Holy Ghost to guide my life. Amen. The Holy Ghost will lead and guide you into all truth. Praise the Lord. That's Scripture, folks. And that's why we need to be full of the Holy Ghost. Because the more full we are, the more it can guide us. And the more, the easier it can lead us. Because the, the fullness of the Holy Ghost, if I had to say it like this, I never thought about it to right now, okay? But I think it works. Makes sense. Wish I thought about it earlier. But if you own a quarter of a tank of the Holy Ghost, then that means not that just your quarter tank full, it means you got three quarters flesh. Three quarters carnality. And some people want to live on a half a tank and they don't realize the reason they're struggling is that that half other half is carnality. So remember, I don't want carnality. We want to keep this thing full of the Holy Ghost because the more full of the Holy Ghost that you keep in us, the less carnality that is in us. Carnality is going to work against us. The Holy Ghost is going to work for us. Well, clap your hands to the Lord. Job was a righteous man. How many of you believe that? He was a righteous man. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man, 
we think about Job, we think about calamity. Right? That man was perfect, means complete, and upright, means he was righteous. And one that feared God and hated evil, shoot evil. But it didn't stop his calamity. But his calamity didn't stop him. Hello? Too often, calamity will stop people. Because they thought I was doing my best and look what still happened. Hello? You ever felt that way? You ever talked? Well, sure, we all are tempted with those thoughts. Well, if it was really, it, no, calamity, if it came to Job, the man that he was, it could come to our life too. But our righteousness will not allow the calamity to stop us. Job said, thou speakest as a foolish woman when she tried to get him to curse God and die. He never charged God. He said, though he destroy me, yet will I serve him. He said, no matter what happens in life, no matter what bad comes in his life, I'm going to serve the Lord. That's what Job said. He was a righteous man. Oh, praise God. And watch this. Now, Scripture text says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. I mean, it's not pertaining to the physical things of life. Even though we get physical blessings, that is not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is spiritual matters, not physical matters. Never gauge your physical blessings by your spiritual life. Or vice versa. Gauge your spiritual life by your spiritual life. Only. It'll get confusing. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but, watch this, righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Have you noticed? Righteousness came first. We all want peace and joy, don't we? But not everybody wants righteousness. But when we get righteousness in our life, when we hunger and thirst after righteousness, when every day it matters and we're doing our best on the job, at the house, wherever we're at with every thought, with every decision, with everything we pertain to, everything we look at, read, or get involved in, that we want to do or we hunger for, you shall be filled. Then when righteousness is present, Guess what else is going to be present? Peace and joy. It's a given, folks. It's an automatic. And a lot of people are wondering, where is my peace and my joy? Maybe when we get to feeling like that, we need to look over and see how well righteousness is doing. And we will find our answer. Oh, hello, somebody. So, everybody say, peace and joy comes after righteousness. Or it comes in righteousness. And with righteousness, it's in the package. Well, praise God anyhow. Now, next we're going to talk about some couple of more subjects before because it's all about living right. Remember, remember I said to be right with God, we must be right with man. Hello? Everybody say forgive. 
Matthew 6, 14 through 15. This is a bigger deal than we think it is. For if we forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That's pretty powerful. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you. Now, how much does God put on forgiveness? How much does he put on forgiveness? He's saying, if you won't forgive, you've just blocked. As much as I want to forgive you, you have just blocked my forgiveness. Now, if you haven't got the Holy Ghost yet this morning, don't let that scare you. You say, well, no need to me try to get the Holy Ghost because I can't forgive so-and-so or forgive that. It happened 45 years ago or whatever it was. Hello? But with the Holy Ghost, it'll give you a heart to forgive. Come on, somebody. With the Holy Ghost, it makes forgiveness easier. Now, with some people, forgiveness is real hard. They like to carry grudges, and they protect those grudges and unforgiveness. And they're determined not to ever let it go. But to all of us, forgiveness is hard at times, isn't it? And to some people, it's hard to forgive at times. But forgiveness should never be a respecter of persons or offense. God gave no disqualifications there. In no word scripture, you see something that disqualifies forgiveness. In fact, he gives us an unlimited number, 70 times 70 a day. I don't think nobody can offend you 490 times a day. If they do, you need to go hide in the prayer room. <laughs> so, don't let forgiveness rob you. You know what forgiveness is? Unforgiveness is the knife is in your back. Every day. And the one who offended you is living free. And the knife's never going to come out. It's going to affect you in many different ways until you forgive. And then healing can take place. It's all right? I'm talking about being right with God. I can't claim to be right with God if I'm not right with man. That's why being right with man is so. And I really feel like that's why God is saying you want to be righteous? You got to be forgiving. You got to be forgiving. Now, will you still remember it? Yes, we will. If we're not God, we can't forget. But it will get to the point where we give it no thoughts. Hello? Well, praise God. Now, you ever notice how much uh, of the scripture is a reciprocatory type scripture? God said, This is what I want to do for you. But this is what you're going to have to do to get it. Our God says, if you'll do this, then I'm going to do this. He's saying, I want to do it. But it's based upon something that opens the door for it or gives way to it. Okay? Now, the Bible told us to show mercy, right? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. I don't know about you, but I need forgiveness. And I need mercy. And the best way for me to attain that and for us to obtain that is to be merciful. 
be merciful. At the end of the day, what does it matter about eternal affairs anyway? Come on. At the end of the day, I remember a time, you've heard me say it, I, I, somebody was doing me wrong and uh, just over some petty things in the church. Jealousy is what it was. And, uh, I, and I, I went on a long time. It didn't bother me, and it got so strong. One night, I, I found myself getting a little bitter about it because, I, I mean, it was, it was senseless. I was only doing what I was asked to do by the pastor. And the Lord spoke to me. I could take you right to the place he's, I was sitting. He said, what would this matter if I returned tonight? I said, nothing. Thank you, Lord. And I shut the door on it, walked away, never dealt with it again. I'm thankful for his mercy. Hello? That he helped me. God, to help us. God's going to help us, but we have to let him help us. Hello? Praise God. Now, everybody say, give. I ain't preaching on money this morning. Talking about being right with God. Even then, the scripture says, give and it shall be given unto you. It didn't say, and it shall be given unto you, and we hope you give. Right? That's not what it says. It's a reciprocatory. I know there, there's a more perfect word for that, but I can't say it. I get tongue-tied. Reciprocity to your soul. See? I can't say that word. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, there shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure, come on, same measure, a lot of difference between the capacity of this little bottle and this sanctuary. The same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured back. How much you want? Huh? What you want in Here's the thing. We want this, but we want to give this. It don't work. It don't ever work. Well, praise God. Now, I'm going to surprise all of you. Maybe not everybody. We use this scripture all the time about giving money. I'm not saying it don't include because it does. Give is give. But this scripture is not even talking about money. It's talking about forgiveness. It's not talking about money. It's talking about forgiveness primarily, which includes giving, kindness, love, mercy. Those things that we give to others out of a free will and out of a loving heart. The things you give will come back to you. You know why God is saying, oh, my child did that. I'm proud of him, so here you go. Come on. Oh, my child forgave that person. or My child showed that mercy or that love. Let me just open it up. I wonder how many times God looks over and goes, I never let the door open on all those things for my child's life because they never, they never opened that door. They never let me to open it. I want to open that door. How about you? We all do, don't you? You want to open that door. Guess what? We can, and you do. You, every day we get an opportunity, to, not because we're going, okay, God, I want to I do this just so I No, no, no. It's just the way we live. 
It's an open flow. Talking about giving. See, y'all, I know I can tell y'all just want me to talk about money. That's how church operates. That's how I'm full time. Hello? And I put in the hours for it, believe me. All right, now, if you if you did my pay by my hours, probably say I need a raise. <laughs> but anyway, here you go, regardless of that. Give. The Bible says in Malachi that if we'll pay our tithes and offerings, hello, that he'll open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. You will not have room enough to receive. But if we don't, then he's going to allow a curse to come on us. That's his word. And a breakdown of a car, we had this guy back home who didn't pay his tithe. And and everybody knew it. He wasn't, you know, he was kind of proud of it, I guess. And uh, his brother-in-law, every time one of his cows would get killed, he says, your tithes get her. One day, about 10 of his cows got lightning struck and be killed. I mean, high-dollar cows. He said, I told you, need to pay your tithes. God's going to get it one way or the other. Because tithes, this wasn't in my lesson, tithes is the tenth of what our income is. And if we don't give that to God, we stole it from him. The scripture says, shall a man rob God? How shall we? We hadn't robbed God. You see, uh, by tithes and offerings. Go back to the Old Testament. You'll see a lot about offerings. That hadn't stopped. Okay. Tithes is something that belongs to God. The reason Achan, children got lost. He got lost. They lost their lives because he took the first fruits and hit them in the center of his tent. And that belong, God said, don't take of it. It belongs to me. He hid the wedge of gold. He hid those items. He was stealing from God. God said, that's not yours. That's mine. He had to watch his own kids get stoned. So tithing, everybody say, what is, this is a Sunday school lesson, okay? What is tithing? 10% of my increase. That belongs to God. Increase. You go figure what that matter, what that consists of. There's some folks talking about universally somewhere in the world, between the North and South Pole. They'll pay tithes, but it probably ain't even three percent of what they really make. They're not paying tithes. Now, y'all done got too quiet over there. Now, if we give our tithes and our offerings, and then above that other things, then guess what? God says. Come on, what do you want, a curse or an open window of heaven? I don't know about you, I learned a long time ago, I love those open windows of heaven. Hello? And this is not about the church, it's not about me, it's about you. J.C. Penney started out paying 10% tithes. His, this is in his early start-up of, of J.C. Penney. He... It did great. He moved it to 20% or 15, then 20. Before he retired, he was paying 90% tithe. I don't think it hurt him, did it? 
Come on, somebody. Give. This is something that reciprocates. God says, I can't do it until you do it. Well, then last but not least, and I've got to end. This is something we don't always like. But we should like it. Because it's a, as much of a promise as it is a curse. We always want to look at the negatives, but there's a lot of positives here. The Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever. It don't matter. A man soweth, that shall he also reap. Hello? There's no getting away with it. For he that soweth to his flesh carnal things, sinful things, ungodly things, unrighteous things. Guess what? He's going to reap those of corruption. God knows how to keep good records. And we, if I plant corn, I'm not going to go out there and look for watermelons. If I plant cucumbers, I can't go out there and plan to get a nice crop of turnip greens. If I plant, I'm thinking of stuff I don't care about, like cucumbers. If I plant whatever, something I don't like, I can't go out there and expect to get luscious, ripe tomatoes. Hello? But yet we do that. We, we don't plant the right stuff, but we only want God to give us the right thing. And then we go to God and say, God, oh, have mercy on me, God. Why is this happening to me? Well, go look at the seeds you've been carrying. And so, but the promise or the good of that is this. If you sow to the Spirit, then you're going to reap those things. The reason you precious folks reap so wonderful things because you're trying to plant the best things you can. Come on. You're planting things that your children are going to learn how to plant. You're learning to plant things that's going to impact your grandchildren's life. So I don't want to look, I want to look at the 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 things of the flesh as a warning and a guardrail. But we want to look at the things that are of the spirit as the blessings and the great things of God. So the, the, the thing I'm, I'm encouraging us with, we want to be right with God, right? Righteous, peace and joy. Do you get peace and joy going and sowing, I mean reaping some of that bad stuff? Huh? You ever seen an old farmer? I even caught myself doing it. I remember my wife said, what are you doing out there? I grew up in it as a kid. I was growing crops. I haven't picked cotton when I was three years old or probably getting in the way more than anything. But I grew up on a farm and uh, loved it. Wish I could still do it to a degree. But just walk out there and just look. I'd see my grandpa walk out. He'd drive up on the old truck or the tractor, and we'd just stop, and we'd leave. And I wondered, what do we do? I said, Papa, Papa, what are we doing? Just looking. Just looking. Checking it out, the process. We know what's coming. And I remember that when we were out harvesting all those crops, oh, I'd get so hot and so tired. We'd get to go dip in the creek for a few minutes, come right back at it. It was hotter then afterwards, but you got a few minutes relief. But my grandfather would be smiling. 
us loading up those bushels of tomatoes one after the other. But what about times that you have to go out there and you have to reap some of that bad stuff? I don't see people out there dancing, shouting, and full of joy and full of peace. No. But when we plant the good stuff, let's stand. I've got more, but I'm not going there. Well, I might. Go back. Sit back down. I'm sorry. I, I'll never get this, get back to this if I don't. Give me, how many of you give me five more minutes? Five, 10, 15, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45 minutes. <laughs> Y'all fell apart, did you? Uh, I won't be that long. Now, last but not least, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. Let me stop. Back up. The fruit of the Spirit is love. I say love. I need that. Joy. I really want that. Peace. Oh, I love having peace. Long-suffering. That's a struggle sometimes. Gentleness. That can be a struggle. Goodness. Oh, this flesh. But we want it. We want it. Faith. We want it. Meekness. We want it. Temperance. We want it. Against such there is no law whatsoever. We want all this, but all that isn't always easy, is it? That's why something has to be planted, nurtured, grown, and then the fruit starts rising. We want the fruit without the planting, without the nurturing, without the process. But it don't, but Dylan, you are the champion of pepper growers. I seen all that. But it didn't get, the, those peppers didn't come up there by themselves. It took a lot of attention, intentional, attention, and caring. And here they come. It's natural. So is it with the fruit of the Spirit. It's natural. But it, be, it takes being intentional. It takes caring for it. And it takes waiting on the process. And sticking with it. If you went out there and chopped those peppers down after about eight weeks, you wouldn't have had peppers. So you had to wait. That's why when you buy tomato plants, it'll tell you how many days before it starts yielding fruit. Probably tells you that where you won't go chop it down. Get rid of it. Give up on it. So I'm closing with this. Herein is my Father glorified. How many of you like to glorify God? We glorify thee. Come on. I don't know if that's a song, but I think it is. How many of you want to glorify God? We need to understand how we bring glory to God. One of the ways is that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. We can say we want to glorify God, but we truly glorify him by bearing fruit. Now, we put a lot of emphasis on being faithful, right? This is in closing. And we need to. We need to be faithful. But we need to be fruitful also. You can be faithful to some things, but not be fruitful. So we want to be faithful, and we want to be fruitful. Let's stand together.